Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I have to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you know? I managed to stay alive for six oh, days. I'd say it to your face, not say it to you now. I'm down Swanfield and we'll see them What you doing down here, you shawnee man? <laughs> Of course this World Cup is going to end with a six-goal final complete with a controversial VAR decision, a goal by a 19-year-old, and another goalkeeper doing a carious. It's been a bonkers tournament. Why stop the madness in the biggest match? Hello and welcome to Monday's Second Captain's World Cup podcast. Our hey, final World Cup podcast. Hi, Kieran. Uh, there were a lot of own goals in this World Cup as well, so sure. the another final was, yep. in even in that respect representative of the tournament that uh, preceded it. Didier Deschamps becomes the most decorated water carrier of them all. His country has won the World Cup twice in its history. He's been captain and manager for those two triumphs. Forget about Beckenbauer. Mm. Beckenbauer. Anyone, well, Beckenbauer is it fair to say anyone good. could have managed that team? Yeah, but it was Germany. They were, you know, they were a powerhouse. Not saying France aren't a West powerhouse. Germany, only half a country. Young. Just saying they've only won two. He's been captain. He's been manager. Perhaps not surprising that the players decided to gatecrash his post-match press conference. All together now. <laughs> Quite catchy. Yeah. The press conference invasion. Yeah, I mean, what? Well, those guys. Ha- those guys are still trying to do their job. You know. The journalists. Yeah. I would just stop the camera pan. The journalists. They've all got their phones out taking videos. Yeah, well, this they're is still what they journalizing. Wanted. I mean, listen. I mean, if you're not going to get any quotes, you might as well get a few. <laughs> you know, YouTube hits. Let's hear how the French commentators called the Mbappe strike. Yeah, that's. There you go. Bonnet, bien sûr, my uh, <laughs> French comrade. <laughs> of course, not everybody was overjoyed with how things transpired in the final. Graeme Souness had a hard time letting go of the dodgy decisions on being sport. It leaves a bad taste, doesn't it? It leaves a bad taste because um, we have had all the possession of the ball. We've been a better team. 
near and tough to feel hard done to by those two decisions. And what you're missing in the you audio form of that clip is the full Graham Stewart's pained face. You know when he just looks in pain about something that's happened on the football field? Well, he kind of looked a little bit like that as he delivered that verdict. Philippe Auclair had also been left cold by France's relentless march to the final. We'll see if he was won over by his countrymen in the end. Or... Uh, when they were struggling to put three passes together in the first half, did he just put on an old VHS copy of the 1982 semi-final against West mm. Germany? Where did he see <laughs> We've got some reaction from Croatia with Dario Brenton. He covers sport and politics in the region. And of course, the main man, Ken Erdy, which had to us before he gets on his flight home. Hopefully he'll be as insightful as he was in the Irish Times today. Michal Halasi tweeted a photo of the massive Ken Erdy quote splashed across the front page of the main newspaper, Murph. Mm-hmm. Not, this, not only the sports section. Open inverted commas. So it yeah. says Ken Erdy, yeah. inverted commas. Full stop, close inverted commas. <laughs> <laughs> Succinct as ever. Very deep, Ken, said yeah. Michal. Yeah. Hopefully well, you can listen, build on you that. know, sometimes uh, World Cup finals, you know, they, they eschew traditional analysis, you know. Sometimes games go beyond words. Exactly, that's what uh, Ken's going to the toilet. Mm, yeah. Perhaps Ken's high point of the World Cup. <laughs> Murphy, you were busy that. watching Galway beat Kerry at Croke Park. I was. We'll talk about elsewhere today mm. on the Second Captain's podcasts. But you did? Did you manage to get home without finding out the score? Was that the aim? <sighs> Not for a World Cup final, sure. You know, um, on how things can sometimes lose the run of themselves, like the non, the whole non celebration celebration thing. Anytime any player ever does a non celebration celebration, you get a tweet and the volley half volley debate. Yeah. So anytime that happens anywhere in world sport, someone is going to get on the blower <laughs> it does, it does happen, and yeah. get in touch with you. So having uh, told a couple of tales over the course of this World Cup of my efforts to ensure I don't hear scores, but just get straight to straight home and try and watch the game on uh, on record on DVR. Uh, the fact that I didn't tweet for like all day yesterday. I mean, I do go entire days without tweeting. It's not that irregular an occurrence. Mm-hmm. I didn't check Twitter for ages and then I had like a ton of notifications which was basically everyone going are you off Twitter because you're trying to avoid the score of the World Cup <laughs> final coming back from Crow Park well in the end I knew that that was a fool's errand because it's the World Cup final soccer is popular yes yeah, it certainly is. even even in Crow Park soccer is popular so uh, I mean the games were so boring that everyone spent most of Goldberg Harry checking the score of France-Croatia anyway so all in all, I wasn't even trying, but it would have been even more of a fool's errand in my walk home because my walk home took me down O'Connell Street yeah. and O'Connell Street was... A melting pot? Oh, a blaze. So from the top of from the Parnell Square end of O'Connell Street, uh, I met a burly Croatian man bawling his eyes out, like like wi- literally wiping his tears with a Croatian flag. I mean, you couldn't write it. Uh, so <laughs> then I went further down this street at the spire... French supporters had gathered at the traffic lights uh, so that you can safely cross as a pedestrian mm-hmm. O'Connell Street at the Spire. And uh, they kept hitting the pedestrian button so that every 30 seconds or so the uh, light would go red. They would dance in the street and then they would part to allow the traffic to go through. But they were using their French flag as a kind of matador's <laughs> cape to uh, allow... Bu- Some bus drivers, very happy to take part in this. Others, not so much. <laughs> And uh, I think anyone who uses a Dublin bus would know that there is... It takes all sorts. Of course, to drive a Dublin bus. Uh, and then I walked over to O'Connell Bridge and there were flares being lit by Croatian fans who were putting the disappointment of the day <laughs> behind them in rather, uh, in typically Croatian style. 
by uh, lighting flares and singing songs extremely loudly. Very and deep. They've got a very guttural way yeah, of singing uh, songs. It's from a distance. It looked like an extraordinarily threatening situation. The closer you got, the real you, the more you realised that's just having a good time, having an unbelievable time. So uh, yeah, I mean, it was you know you you kind of think, is this happening in every city in the world? That is there like a proportion of people from France and Croatia in like a hundred cities in the world and this is just happening that oh, the, the two of them are like quite a few cities I'd say yeah. mingling and having an unbelievable time and just sharing in this ridiculous World Cup final party well thanks so much to everybody for sharing in our World Cup party uh, over the last few weeks a lot of you signed up for the World Cup coverage on the World Service you absolute legends it has been a blast bringing in these it's quite podcasts. emotional actually it is quite emotional <laughs> uh, actually yeah, yeah. the football keeps coming Ken will be back in studio later in the week and the Premier League is less than four weeks away don't forget if you sign up you do also get access to all our old shows also including Richie's Players Chair interviews with Mick McCarthy Sean Dyche Brian Kerr Duffer and loads more titans of the beautiful game if you're not signed up you can sign up now on second captain Duff your fucking shit man it's time for Ken there's a voice <laughs> 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 oh my god Sorry, mate. That's actually my seat. What you think doesn't really matter. He's an annoyed twat. What do I say? The word cutter. Well, what's next for you? What's next for Hadaway? What a boy you are. Ken, first question. Have you dried out yet? It looked like it was bucketing down last night. Well, I was cosily under the roof, um, looking down with some amusement. <laughs> uh, you knew that was coming at some point. That was because it had been such a sort of sticky day. You know, like sort of, oh, God, we go out and you just, the sweat is just immediate and it's like this kind of filmy coat. It was one of those type of, oh, God, this is a sticky day. And, uh, and there'd been like thunder continually throughout the match and it barely rained at all. Was, you know the way there's thunder, usually it's like whoosh, rain starts coming and it just kind of stayed in this, you know, is it going to rain? Well, clearly it's going to rain, but why isn't it raining yet? What's gone wrong here? Uh, are we listening to an angry deity expressing his disgust at the VAR decision? <laughs> is that actually what is going on here? Uh, but then, they, they, essentially, they're just waiting for all the politicians to get out into the middle of the pitch so they can dump, like, millions of tons of water on their heads. Um, this would never have happened if they'd continued with that giving the cup uh, to the players in the stands thing. But uh, I, I think that they felt as though that didn't give quite enough exposure to the politicians. So uh, they they went back to this um, on-the-pitch situation and, uh, yeah, it turned into a complete farce. Well, yeah. Not for Putin, though. I mean, they, they they had an umbrella over Putin pretty quickly. But uh, as for Macron and the uh, the Croatian president... Yeah. That was uh, just beyond parody, though. I mean... <laughs> well, it's interesting, though, isn't it? Because, I mean, the gallant thing to do would be to say, oh, Madame, Grigor, uh, Madame President uh, Grigor Kitarovich, please uh, accept this umbrella. You know, this, this rain will truly play havoc with your hair. I mean, and <laughs> me, uh, <laughs> poor myself, and maybe even... Manu here, uh, perhaps aren't all that uh, you know. <laughs> you know we've known better days, hair wise. Uh, maybe that would maybe that would have been the, uh, the 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 sort of polite thing to do. But evidently the rules are a little bit different when you're the president of Russia. Uh, the I may, maybe dignity comes first. I actually think it has to do with the fact that um, 
probably the, was there a plan in place for rain? Was there was there a contingency plan to deal with what happens if there's a sudden downpour, or was that something they neglected to organise in advance? And so once it had happened, then what do you do? Obviously, the priority is to protect the president. The whole security apparatus springs into action, and they think, well, we better go and um, we better go and, uh, and get this umbrella over. And then they're standing there going, we've only got one umbrella. What do we do? You know, um, <laughs> this. We're all aware this looks kind of silly, but at the same time, at least the president is dry. Therefore, uh, you know, I, hope, I imagine the guy standing there with the umbrella was thinking, I really hope somebody runs up with another umbrella, um, which, eventually, which eventually did happen. And, I, and, I, and he's also standing there thinking, I hope I've got this right now. I hope he doesn't want me to go and, uh, you know, and, and politely offer the umbrella to one of the other leaders here. Uh, so he's kind of no. I'll gamble that this is the the right course of action, and hopefully, hopefully it was. And he's not in some cell being told by some invest- interrogator. I wish this was 1937. Then we would have dealt with the likes of you. Uh, hopefully that's not what's happened to him. Well, I must say that the Croatian president Grabar Kitarovic dealt with it beautifully, and I thought it came across really well throughout the match. We'll talk to our Croat friend in a little while about Did you that. Think she maybe had had a couple of glasses of wine. The thought did cross my mind. Uh... Ken, I'm not going to lie to well, you. Well, she's a woman of the people by all accounts. She uh, pay, pay, went over an economy. Apparently, she she yeah. didn't get paid for days off, uh, yeah, for, for a lot of the days over there. I don't know. I mean, I'd be interested to hear more about that because I I'm, I don't know. I, I always, I'm always a bit suspicious of it. A woman of the people, I mean, it's it's a bit like Mike Ashley sitting in the stands in, in, the, in the Newcastle top, right? Um, when someone feels the need to dress up to that extent, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, are you, you know... Can, are you maybe overcompensating a little bit here? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe she is. I've, I've honestly no idea of her popularity, her standing, anything like well, that. Looking, I mean, yeah, go on. I saw, I saw um, Macron was was uh, channeling the um, the enthusiasm of the French people, like the very fine actor he is, <laughs> uh, leaping about on the sort of presidential days, showing how uh, how overcome with emotion he was. Um. So I'm giving a speech, which unfortunately was subtitled. As I can't speak French, I could merely only judge from his uh, from his um, tone and uh, and attitude. He wasn't giving he, was out, he wasn't giving out to any kids again, was he? Not this time. No. Uh, although I did see people making jokes about that uh, when Macron uh, whacked his finger at some 14 year old or 15 year old who called him Manu, uh, as though this was one of the greatest insults in the history of uh, the French Republic slash Empire. But I was looking at his. Um, so one of the players was it Pogba? Maybe posted the video of him in the in the dressing room, and he was there with like Pogba. Was it Mendy? I can't remember who else he was in the video with. But he was like, oh, he was there with his arms around the, the lads. Oh, the lads, Le mix. Uh, and he was and he was kind of giving it all. Oh, this, you know, this is so great. And and then and then he was like, no, no, but but seriously, guys. And then gave like a kind of a more serious speech in which he clearly was saying, you know, what you guys have done here is something absolutely amazing. And then he finished off a little gag at the expense of Didier Deschamps, the football president. And uh, wow, I thought, wow, this is really amazing. Can can somebody please escort him from the dressing room now? I mean, does he really have to make it all about himself? Is it possible that maybe somebody else might get a look in at some point? Um, or is this just all about Emmanuel Macron winning the World Cup? I suppose these things don't come along very often. You know, if he's lucky, maybe he'll be president of France, win it again in four years' time. But as we know, you can't take these things for granted. It looked as though they were going to win all the World Cups for a while back in uh, 2000 
when they had an amazing team in year 2000. And of course, uh, they went out in the group stage of the next World Cup. Let's report from the World Cup final, please, getting into the football. France deserve it, world champions? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, nobody could touch France, uh, which was a pity, uh, as it would have been a little bit better if they had been tested. I think I feel it was all a bit Klitschko-like from France. You know that sort of, you know that style of dominance that, like, nobody can touch me, I'm too big, I've never been knocked down, I've never been in a fight that you wanted to watch. Uh, I'm, you, know that, you know that kind of thing. Um, I mean, the game yesterday was good, but it was good because Croatia refusing to die when everything was telling them, you know, fate, the referee, the video referee was telling them, die now, please. Uh, it's time for you to just wrap up here and go home. And Croatia kind of refused uh, to do that for a while until eventually they got done again on the counterattack. And, you know, when Pogba goal went in, you were like, well, don't see Croatia coming back from this, you know. Um, I mean, the first goal that they conceded was very unlucky. They had been, uh, they'd been so much better in the first sort of quarter out of the game. I mean, France had barely touched the ball. Again, you were thinking it was a bit like the, the start of the France-Belgium match as well, where, where, where Belgium had all the ball. And you're, you, to the point we started to think, okay, France, you, 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 you can take this rope-a-dope stuff too far. You know, you might, you might want to try and get a foothold in the game here. And they weren't really managing to do that. You know, I thought actually, amazingly, their worst player on the day was uh, N'Golo Kante. Oh, what was wrong with him? I've never seen I've never seen him play so badly. I mean, he he usually is the guy who's always there in the face of the opposition, blocking angles, winning the ball, making it really difficult for them. And this time, he was the one who was giving it away. Croatia were getting after him, and he kept getting sort of pressed into losing possession, um, much more so than any of his teammates, which I was I was really surprised by. But I suppose not everybody can have a can have a great game every time. Um, but okay, the, the, you know, so so Croatia had the ball, couldn't score, and then Griezmann got that free kick. You know, one of those delighted to accept the free kick. Thanks very much for that, ref. Um, situation wasn't that dangerous, but uh, I guess it is now. Uh, flights it in, Manzukic unluckily scores. Um, I thought maybe this is offside, but it's not offside against Paul Pogba. That is, he's actually been playing onside by. The foot of Vida, I think. So uh, there was a guy. It wasn't as though they, they reviewed it anyway. And the Croats didn't complain about it. They were just sort of so crestfallen by having conceded this type of goal. You know, having having made such a great start, then giving away a kind of cheap free kick and then scoring an own goal. It was fairly demoralizing. I mean, their fans were all behind that goal, making unbelievable noise. Like there was way more Croatian fans there than French fans. It was a small number of French fans on there, just behind the. I mean, I'd seen quite a few of them outside the ground. I, I kind of arrived into the ground with the expectation I was going to see an end full of French fans, but it seemed as though I just got on the metro with all of the <laughs> fans who were at the game, and so the best French atmosphere of the game was uh, at Sportivnia Metro, which is the one near the stadium, where they were all kind of packed onto this train and then coming out, you know, that really sort of packed movement of people up this escalator, singing an endless escalator, as is fairly typical in the Moscow Metro, uh, singing some song about Gerard Depardieu. I, I don't know what the words are, but it was like, you know, the don't take me home, uh, Gerard yeah. Depardieu, something about vodka. Um, I guess Gerard Depardieu is links France and Russia. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he's almost as friendly with uh, the Russian president as Conor McGregor. <laughs> uh, although I don't know when the last time Depardieu got to get his actual paws on on Putin was. You know, I don't know if he, he may be. He's yesterday's he man, Depardieu. Like, yeah. I think, yeah, I think he's yesterday's news. But um, so, so what happened then? Okay, so the Croatians continued to to come back and continue to play well. The game basically had the same pattern, except that France were now one 0 up. Then this great goal by Perisic. I mean, it reminded the goal reminded me of it was Mbappe against Argentina. You know, it was the same type of move. Um, failure to clear by the defence. They managed to sort of knock it back to uh, Perisic, who takes a quick touch and then smashes it with the left foot, and it actually took a slight deflection off Ferran, but I think it was going to go in anyway. It's a great goal. Um, so you think, oh, okay, well, this is, this is pretty interesting now. You know, Croatia have shown that they can score. You know, because this was the first time I'd seen France actually let in a goal in the tournament. I don't know Argentina scored three against them, but that was a, that was a bit of a, a weird game. Uh, so here they were. They've conceded a goal. Uh, Croatia have been the better side. How's it going to go from here? And then, unfortunately, the VAR. So, well, what do you think about I mean, the, what do you think about that about that decision? Because initially there were howls of outrage for regarding both those goals. On reflection, when you look at it, Griezmann, even though he was the one who caused the contact between himself and I think it was Brozovic, there's hmm. an ar- there's an argument that it's one of those ones where you're kind of conning the ref into giving you a free kick, but there was a yeah. little bit of contact. So, so maybe yeah. it's just an annoying free to give away. Um, and then the 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 penalty. Do you think yeah. it was a penalty? No, you don't think it was a penalty. I didn't. I no. I thought it was a very, very harsh, harsh penalty. I mean, you can give a penalty because it's his hand has touched the ball. Um, so if the hand touches the ball, it's sort of at the referee's discretion. He's then got to interpret the situation. What's happened here? Um, and you look at the guidelines for giving a handball. One of them says, "Is there hand? Is there hand to ball movement?" Yeah, I've got them in front of me here. Well, I, well, I just read a couple of them out. Um, what constitutes a penalty? Handling the ball involves a deliberate act of a player making contact with the ball. The referee must mm. take the following. So, th- this is what the referee must take into consideration in deciding whether it's deliberate: the movement of the hand towards the ball, not the ball towards the hand, and the distance between the opponent and the ball. In brackets, unexpected ball. So, yes, I would, I would, so, I would have thought that that would have been a. a on Croatia's side last night and that the ball was flicked on and he had very little time to react to it. It was, it was an unexpected ball, I would have thought. Was the ball even flicked on or did it not just come over Matuidi's head? Like, Matuidi was a guy oh, jumping in front of him. Yeah, I thought it was a slight touch by Matuidi. So, it's like, for, for me, for the second of those two reasons, that shouldn't have been a penalty. I mean, this, this thing happened so fast that the ref and, and officials didn't even realise it was a corner. It should have. It should have that it had gone out off a Croatian player. They, they they were about to restart play with a goal kick, right? When the French players were all like, "Oh, it's a handball," and um, so so that's how quickly the ball came over. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a kind of obvious thing at all. Just sort of, yeah, you know, the first I sort of knew about the, that there may have been a handball here is all the French players going, "Oh, handball!" And of course, I mean, I don't know how many of them actually saw it, but they're all hmm. copying. They're, they're sort of trying to reinforce. How could you miss that? <laughs> everyone, everyone would miss it. And like, okay, so the hand does move towards the ball, but that's kind of like in that situation, it seems to me the one that should take priority is the fact that the ball has flashed over the head of this French player into an unexpected contact with uh, with um, the Perisic. Perisic, Perisic yeah. So, so it's. It, it, you know, and so then he runs over and he looks at it for ages and he's like, oh, what should I do? And clearly going through the referee's head now is, oh, no, I've been confronted with this thing that 
I didn't even notice. And now it's like, what What do I do? And he's kind of, what he's actually weighing up is not, hmm, is that handball? It's, what am I going to get more shit over? That's really, That's what it comes down to. It's like, will it be a handball or will it not be a handball? If I'm, if I'm accused of having missed the most blatant handball in the history of the game, he should be thrown out of the game. You know, that's that's. Is this a hand of God moment? The referee is just is standing there. Is that is this the hand of God? It doesn't look as serious, uh, but you know, it is the final. Um, and I thought made the wrong decision by giving a penalty. I mean, you know, it just sort of seems like such a. It's like, how do you get a free goal out of that? Like, come on, nonsense. It's 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 absolute nonsense, you know. France, and the the statistic at halftime was Croatia seven shots, France one, and it's two one to France. The argument I saw being made, Rory Smith and others made it, was that it, if it takes that long to overturn, and even at the very end, the ref goes to walk away and then has one more look goes, at the big at the big yeah. screen. Like at that stage, surely it's not an obvious. You're not overturning a clear and obvious error, which is the whole point of VAR. If it takes you seven or eight looks, including one final look. Um, to decide that you are overturning the, the original decision, which was no penalty because you didn't see anything. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that, like, there are difficult decisions and there is still a correct decision at the end of them. I mean, I think that the, the delay was, as I've been saying, the referee feeling the pressure of the occasion rather than the difficulty of the situation. And, you know, he decided to, to sort of be... Uh, to, to apply the harshest possible sanction on the basis of, well, the ball's hit his hand there, or, he, you know, his hand has hit the ball there. But this, like, ball-to-hand movement is such nonsense. It's a coincidence that his hand is moving towards the ball. It's not like he's, it's not like he's gone to put his hand on the ball. There. It's just a coincidence. The, ball, the hand could be moving in any direction as the ball... You know what I mean? Yeah. Ball-to-hand bollocks. Come on. <laughs> we, we all... We, come on. Ball-to-hand bollocks. Bollocks. <laughs> uh, anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because um, the goal was given... The referee can always uh, can always say, "Well, there was a handball," and, and everyone will know that he, you know, well, some people will insist that he got it right, but um, it doesn't matter. Two one France at halftime. Uh, obviously, Griezmann had to score the penalty. He has missed penalties in finals before, but not this time. Uh, and then, so so that was again another real kick in the in the guts for uh, Croatia um, at that moment. And then that's when you start to. I mean, okay, they're going back in to the dressing room, and it's. Sure, they're going to be like these guys, you know, have had all the luck, and they had. The France had had all the luck, and this this was sort of. There's always luck in every game. It's just that, you know, I, watching as a neutral, I say as a neutral, I had been swayed over to Croatia's side. I mean, I was I was watching it neutral, but you know, if if I had had the tie-breaking vote, I would have said, yeah, let's let's see what happens if a couple of Croatia goals go in here. Because you know you you see their fans, you see the whole the whole attitude of their team. Like this is the biggest thing in the history of the of the nation. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> it's it's almost it's the biggest positive event in the history of of uh, independent Croatia. Um, whereas for France, it's you know it's another big match. Um, so uh, you know you're thinking, oh, okay, they're back in, and it's going to be come on, lads. But how far can that ultimately take you? I mean, you're still up against a really good team. You're going to have to take the game to them now again. You know, they're fresher than you. They're younger and stronger than you. They're much, much faster than you. You know, how long can you kind of keep this keep this going before those advantages of France have to get a tell? The answer was like 12 minutes. I mean, it's a brilliant goal by Paul Pogba. 
Um, and you could see the disgusted reaction of Graham Souness. I hope you've seen it. Uh, on, I don't know, being sports. He he, he's doing being sports, yeah. I mean, he has. Remember, Graham Souness did make a point of of uh, picking out Pogba before the tournament, didn't he? He was, uh, was like, oh, Pogba, you know, the, the pretender, that sort of stuff, wasn't it? Remember Sunday Times preview, didn't he? Wasn't he like, oh, Pogba? Not so sure. And he's been kind of, he's been saying all along that Pogba's a nothing player. Well, I mean, I thought this was a pretty decent piece of play by Park, but he's been playing, you know, the same disciplined sort of role that we've been talking about in this in this team. The pass to Mbappe to let him go down the right was absolutely sensational. I mean, he, he fizzed it, like swerved it around the Croatian defender as close as possible without the defender actually being able to get it. Then arrives up. I mean, the French players are running ahead of him into the box. But he's the guy who finishes off the move, not because he runs like an idiot to the box, but because he lurks in like the danger area as Croatia are too panicked to notice. The ball comes back, and okay, he gets a bit lucky in that. His first shot is blocked, and it comes straight back to him, and he just whacks it in with his other foot. But, I mean, a great goal. great A great piece of midfield play. Is this not what you were looking for, Graham Sooners? Oh, is this not what we're talking about? I was delighted to see that, because for all the talk of how disciplined he's been, Paul Pogba is one of the few players in the world who can produce those kind of moments and I, yeah, I love the pass I love the fact he followed up the pass uh, and rather than hang back maybe at that stage as you say the sort of the, the discipline to know where to actually I don't know if discipline is the right word even but the football intelligence to know where to stand it's funny people keep saying oh well it's a, it's a lot easier for Pogba with Kante beside him and it's a fair point for the most part Kante makes every player look better it's also a little bit easier when he's got Mbappe to ping balls to up front yeah. I mean, the amount of times even in the match yesterday three or four times he put, he put Mbappe away so there's yeah. guys on his wavelength in terms of the passes that he wants to play Oh yeah, and, and and there was the Financial Times had done a had done a great graphic showing um, showing the best midfielders in terms of advancing the ball, you know, in the tournament. Pogba was top. Um, it was graphic by John Byrne Murdoch, but you know, it, you know, you can advance it by dribbling or you can advance it by passing. And Pogba, the bulk of it, obviously, well, the bulk of everyone is passing pretty much, but um, to different degrees. But Pogba was passing. But I do think, as I do think that playing in the team he's in has also got a lot to do with that. Because a lot of the time when Pogba's getting the ball, it's a counter-attack situation. Or, you know, he's able to... I mean, there was the pass against Belgium. Remember when, when Mbappe nearly got there before Courtois? That's like... The, you, know, you, know what I, you know what I mean? The, these types of situations happen a lot for him. So I think maybe they, he was padding the stats a little bit there. Or he was, you know, he's just, he's a, he's playing well within the system that he's supposed to play. I mean, why am I? Why do I sound like I'm criticizing you? Here? <laughs> I'm being too specific. I'm like, well, you know, if you look at it, yeah, look, he, it was it was a good goal, and then Mbappe with another great goal, just made just made it look so easy. Like, I mean, that's not that's not an easy shot, really. And he just sort of gets it, and he's like, yeah, I know what to do here. There's a gap there. Goalkeeper can't see me because this lad's in the way. Um, Vida, and he just. You know, places it really very, very hard from 25 yards into the bottom corner. So, uh, obviously, the game the game had been over. I thought I felt since the Pogba goal that was the moment I thought, okay, well, this is this is done. And then it was totally done. Then there was this unbelievable um, Loris <laughs> cock up. Um, again, one of the like the carriest type of thing. Where you go, what are you doing? How could you? Do you not see him? It's Manzukic, like running at you like a maniac. You like the, this. This guy, like, 
<laughs> what are you doing? I think this could be but, even worse than Carius. It could be even worse in that. I think it's worse. I think than so, the I think somehow Carius didn't see who was it who blocked Carius? Why have I forgotten? Benzema. Benzema, of course. I, I think I don't know why. I don't know how he didn't see him. Two of the biggest lubs in world football. It felt like by he didn't see him until late. Uh, yeah. It's not like Andres Iniesta. Lloris you know? clearly saw Mandzukic coming at him and thought, "Ah, I'm going to give him the eyes here." And, and Lloris had been playing very well. He made a good save. He'd, he'd come out really quickly a couple of times. He'd had a great tournament actually. So maybe confidence was a little too high for Hugo Lloris, who at least got this amazing moment afterwards where he has to watch his mistake back on the big screen as the players are all watching the highlights and gets oh, getting slagged off by all his mates. But he, he was all right. He's a world champ. Well, the the thing that makes it better than Carrie is the um, key fact number one: game state. Uh, France four, Croatia uh, <laughs> one meant that that uh, mistake wasn't quite as bad as the one at 1-1 in the Champions League final. And I also think it was actually... Karius' one is still worse because he does have the ball in his hands. You know what I mean? So if he wants, he can just stand there and right. Benzema can't actually do anything. Mm. Whereas whereas um, Hugo Lloris had to do something with the ball. He couldn't just pick it up and stand there. Mandzukic would have to, would have to go away. So... He just did the worst possible thing. Like it's like basically turned into a tackle directly in front of his own goal. It was in the net before anyway. It was just imagine it only even if it had only been three one at that point. So I mean, I'm saying the game is over with Pogba, but it wouldn't have been over. If Croatia got back to within one goal, then suddenly we've got massively renewed belief and one very very nervous goalkeeper uh, for the last twenty minutes or so of the game. But it as it was, it sort of came too late to make any difference. So. Yeah, it, it it reminded me a bit of you know France four Argentina three, which sounds like an absolute classic and really wasn't. You know, it was like a, a half decent game. I disagree with that. I think that I, I with regards to the final, yeah, but with regards to that France Argentina game, we were talking about this the other day. I think that was an unbelievable match. Everyone forgets that France were two one down and in serious trouble early in the second uh, half. They were only two one down for about thirty seconds. I mean, they 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 equalised almost immediately. Then they were winning. 4-2 so there wasn't actually a, the, the last third of the game was nothing and then there was a goal a late goal by Argentina a late goal by Argentina and then a great chance to equalise at the end which people also forget well that I mean that is off. true the, the, I, I don't know I don't know what more you want for your classic skin uh, that, to me on Phil's there goal was a, there was an unbelievable lull between the 6th and 7th goals <laughs> Ken is what you just said come on nah, that's, that's pretty much what happened yeah. but it's not all about it's not about goals you know, it's about like I don't know who's going to win and with that match I, I felt like I I did know, um, but yeah, I mean, again, I'm 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 just the most bitter, poisonous little toad sitting here in Moscow. I mean, it's such a beautiful day here. The sun is shining. Um, the sky is blue. Can you, the can you're not you're not little, and I'm just a bitter, fat, poisonous toad <laughs> sitting here, better. squirting my venom over their World Cup win. What I mean, what is wrong with me? Why can't I just be like Emmanuel Macron and get into the you know, get into the moment and, and feel it. I suppose maybe because I'm not French. Maybe not being French means that you look at the France team and think, yeah, okay, they were good. I mean, I, it did occur to me last night that I'm essentially criticizing them for being too good for everyone else, which is a stupid position to take, really. And yet, I kind of just wish as though it had been a little bit more difficult at some point because... I can't remember such a procession to the World Cup. I can't remember a team making it look this easy before uh, in winning it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, congratulations to France. Uh, and I hope that, that the next World Cup we are going to see 
a bit more of a challenge. I mean, Croatia, Croatia did uh, did magnificently. Ten out of ten for Croatia. I don't think anyone could have expected more from them. And I wish that there had been one or two other teams who who uh, had come and have done what they did at this World Cup. Well, we are going to talk to an actual Frenchman in a moment, albeit one who was also critical of the French team up until the final. So we'll find out how Philippe uh, reacted to another World World Cup victory. Just a quick one on Mbappe. We kind of glossed over him a little bit there. Luka Modric got the golden ball in the end player of the tournament. Uh, the other names being mentioned mostly were Kante and Pogba. Uh, over here, Ken, in this part of the world, but Shearer, Alan Shearer said after the game that he would have given it to Mbappe. You can't, just because he's young and gets young player of the year, there's no reason not to not to give him, or player of the tournament, not to give him the golden ball as well. And he had the biggest impact over the course of the tournament, he thought. I don't know if he did, actually. I think he definitely would be in the team of the tournament. Um I put him in my team in the tournament, certainly, and he is the best. And and if you're asking who's the best player in the world, who, you know who's the best player at the World Cup? Maybe, maybe Mbappe. Hmm. I I personally thought Modric deserved it. Like I thought, I thought that he had a bigger impact. I mean, if you take him out, what do Croatia get out of the group? If you take Mbappe out, France might still win the World Cup. You know, I mean, which is which is just to say he's playing for a much better team. He's made an amazing contribution. He scored. He scored a few brilliant goals. He scored in the final. Uh, he he was the one who who ruined Argentina really, um, and he's been a big factor in all of France's matches. Um, and there's an argument that, that he was man of the match in the final. There is there is that argument, but I still feel as though over seven matches, Modric did more. He did more for his team. He was like top of nearly every Croatian stat. You know, he was like clearly he was the leader of the team. Um, I thought he was excellent again in the final. I think he's been a brilliant player for his whole career. I think it was I think it was good that he got it. I mean, you know, the, I mean, I remember Messi got it last time. Again, it's like the the best player of the losing side gets the golden ball. But you know, Modric did more to win it this time, I think, than Messi did last time. You know, Messi kind of had a bit of a fizzling out halfway through, probably, in the 2014 World Cup, whereas that didn't happen with Modric. I thought he kept it up right to the end, and he was kind of unlucky. Um, I mean, it would have been the most incredible World Cup win if they managed to do it, which, of course, they couldn't. Mbappe may very well win a golden ball. Maybe that's going to have to be the narrative. Will Mbappe ever win the golden ball at the World Cup? Because he's 100% got to win the Ballon d'Or at some point. Uh, although he says he doesn't care about that, he cares about the World Cup. Now that he's won the World Cup, which obviously the other two didn't manage to do, um, he's already got that one in the bag. He's got to win a lot of stuff. He may win the golden ball. Uh, I think he's a, he's an unbelievable player. That is the end of your final report from Moscow. 2018 World Cup in Russia will be up to the highest standard. Soccer is popular. From bottom of my heart, thank you. Maradona turns like a little eel and comes away from trouble. Little squat man leads it for dead. There's Beckham, let the ball in! There's Beckham! There's Beckham! Philippe Auclair, France are world champions. Did the team win you over in the end? 
uh, where they won the World Cup, which is more important. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> I think uh, in the latter stages of the game, finally, we yeah, finally, I think everybody came together. It was it was it was it was a hard hard work, indeed. Uh, you cannot not um, you know um, be uh, indifferent to say the least to um, and. The way that um, I mean, I think the way they, they 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 got together, came together at the end. It's it's a funny one. It's a funny one. France hasn't played well, but France has shown some quality, some wonderful qualities, both individually and collectively, which make it, um, I think, a perfectly deserved title and one to be very very proud of. Um, having a second star on the shirt is um, something quite extraordinary, which is only I think slowly sinking in um, for. For for everybody, myself myself included, um, it's one thing to win one World Cup, but to establish yourself as a genuine major nation in in world football, when you think that in 1984 uh, we hadn't won anything in all our history, um, it's quite extraordinary what's happened to French football since then, and in particular since uh, since 1998, and uh, that in itself is um, is worthy of uh, I mean a great deal of respect and I think admiration. How have they done it? Because you say yeah. about how powerful they are and really only Spain with their three major tournaments in a row match up to France over the last 20 years. I remember after 98, a lot of the analysis was about Claire Fontaine and how they mm-hmm. produce young players. H- has that continued? Is is, 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 is essentially well, the same reason they have a good way of developing young players? I think that there is um, a very good detection system I don't think it's all down to Claire Fontaine. I mean, quite a few of the 23 players who, whom Didier Deschamps took to, to Russia and, and quite a few others whom he could have taken went through Claire Fontaine. But also, um, there, there have been a number of, um, uh, there are a number of academies in France which are producing truly excellent players, if not <clears throat> better than excellent. If you look, for example, at Monaco, which obviously uh, had the great privilege of uh, uh, looking after the, uh, the young Kylian Mbappé, uh, if you look at Olympique Lyonnais, which seems to be producing players of great quality year in, year out, and in a remarkable fashion. I mean, maybe Fekir is one, but believe me, there'll be plenty plenty of others. So it's a mixture of, of, of a very good academy system in some clubs, uh, ex- excellent scouting, uh, being able perhaps to, to call as well on a, you know, a, a, um, uh, a reservoir of players, that perhaps uh, other countries in Europe do not have mm. um, because of the... Uh, you know, for example, we've got 400,000 volunteers working in grassroots football in right. France. That's a lot, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it seems extraordinary, yeah. 400,000, yeah. And, and which means that there are people, you know, every, every weekend there are people you know, working with, with youngsters and, uh, um, and, and, and helping them develop, and particularly in the areas where... Um, most of it, the, the biggest reservoir of, of players for, for France is basically all the, is Paris and its region. Mm-hmm. When I say Paris, not Paris, Intramuros, it's, it's the banlieue of Paris. And, um, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a network that is incredibly solid, which probably I think needs more support. And I hope that it will get more support in the wake of what they have done, again, for, for, for the national team and for the country. But this might, uh, this is also part of the explanation. And it also happens, you know, from time to time, you're blessed with some exceptional players. And I do think we are blessed with this generation with perhaps three exceptional players um, and, and who are amongst the best in their position 
in the world. Well, so who are we talking about? Which three are we talking I about? I think I think I, I think you've got Kylian Mbappe. I think is is we we've known for a while now. He's only nineteen, but we've known for a while he was a superstar, and in every single sense of the word. Um, and he's in a way he's a, he's a wonderful symbol of of this France uh, in terms of his behavior, his, his freshness, the, the joy he, he shows on the pitch, the great talent, the intelligence, everything. Uh, this boy has got all the qualities in the world. I think Angolo Conte is the best defensive midfielder on the planet, and I don't think many people will will um, will uh, think differently. And I also think that this is the tournament in which Paul Pogba became what we thought he could become. And that is huge because there have been question marks around him for a number of years, ever since, you know, he he became um, well, he became known as a, a future star, and which has been for a very early age, and he promised so much. And um, at, at Juve, and 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 then what happened at Manchester United, and even his performances with Liverpool were not great. I mean, people were talking about the inconsistency of the player, rightly so, about the fact that we didn't quite know what his best position so was, rightly so, about doubts about his temperament and the fact that he was perhaps thinking too much of football as being an individual sport, rightly so. This is a new Pogba we've seen in this tournament. And it's, uh, in, in terms of his positioning, of his efficiency, his consistency, uh, the way he's, he's, he's deporting himself as well, he's been absolutely exemplary uh, in the camp. And that is really good news. And that, that is just wonderful to see that, you know, at the age of 25, that's it, I think the pen is dropped. Um, and, and that, if we can see that Pogba, I think the Manchester United fans should be very, very excited about the prospect of getting that Paul Pogba. Whether he can be that Paul Pogba, Jose Mourinho, is a completely different matter altogether. We quite agree. But I think those three players are, are exceptional talents. And, and there are others, of course, who are, um, and the others are extremely good. There, there are very few. I mean, I should ask, I should ask perhaps Rafael Varane. Uh, maybe I'm a bit unfair to him because he's probably the best centre-back uh, with Diego Godin at, at this World Cup. So that's... Uh, you know, it's a very strong spine, um, with Loris having a great tournament until that moment of madness at 4-1. <laughs> um, he's had a fantastic tournament all the way through to the team and up to the, the Giroud, who is um, reprising the Givage role, not scoring, not having a shot on target, but doing an awful lot of work uh, and, and work without which France perhaps or probably wouldn't have gone as far in the tournament as they have. We haven't mentioned the common denominator between the two World Cup triumphs, Philippe, and that's Didier Deschamps. Is, is he another no. key ingredient? Yeah. Is Deschamps one of the great underrated football men in, in the world? Uh, as, a, as a player, I think he definitely was one of the great underrated players of his generation. And uh, it's not just a question of the, the medals, the collection of medals he's got, which is just phenomenal. Uh, it's also because of the way he's, he's acquired them and because he was an essential um, uh, element in, in, in the teams that won all these titles. He was the, uh, he was the on the pitch um, coach. He was the, uh, he was the tactician, the captain, the thinker, um, the boss. Mm. He's always been like this ever since, you know, he was a teenager. He's always been the boss as a manager. Um, he's done something which is very much like what Aimé Jacquet did in 1998, which is to build a team from the back on solidity. Uh, too much so for my taste, and I know that, I believe me, I've, loads of my compatriots have had a right go at me because <laughs> of the, the reservations I've made quite clear about yeah. the style of play and the, thing, uh, the, the fact that I think this French team could be far more expansive than it is today. 
Um, and as, as was shown, by the way, especially in the first half against Croatia, who were very unlucky, I think, to find themselves to one down. Um, but he's somebody who has this capacity to, uh, to win. He's a winner. And, and if only for that, um, regardless of the fact that his team perhaps don't play the football that we would like it to play, or, or only in, in short snippets of play. Uh, yes, he, I think he's, he's underrated. As a manager, I don't think he's necessarily underrated. Uh, he's, he's not one of the great managers of the world. Um, he's, he's done well or very well with Monaco, with Juve, with Marseille. He's perhaps now in the role that um, fits him the best. And he's, um, he's, a, he's a great leader. He's a great man leader. He's not a great tactician or anything like that. He's a great organizer, though. Um, and, and he's obviously a, a leader of men, and he's managed to get those guys to buy into his, his ethics, which is not, you know, I think it's actually thinking on it, thinking about it in this day and age, that's not something that easy to have players who are all of them working for the top clubs um, in Europe, all of them, um, very, very well paid constantly encouraged to put themselves as individuals in front of, you know, uh, ahead in, or perhaps in front of their teams and to make them buy into that team ethos that as he's done, that is, I think, deserves a, a great deal of respect and again, admiration. I think we would all love the idea of this victory bringing people together in France of different parts of society and different backgrounds and mm -hmm. all that kind of thing. How, have we learned though from the aftermath to 98 that you know, it's sport is sport. It's great, but briefly people do come together. But it's asking a bit too much of a football team's victory to to heal any real divisions. Yeah, I think it's asking far too much of that. And and to to be honest, it's it's a parenthesis. It's a lovely parenthesis. Um, it's not to say it doesn't have a role. It doesn't say it hasn't hasn't got an impact on mentalities. It's so, 1998 certainly did, and uh, and in the same way 2018 uh, will have, but. It, what I think it does is it doesn't solve any problem, but what it does show is that if people um, put some willing into it, they can unite behind a team which is as diverse as a, as a French team. Exactly the same thing happened with Belgium, by the way, mm. and I would say with England. So uh, it's so that's what what, it's, what what is encouraging. I think is not necessarily the long term effect. Uh, because why, honestly, should, should it have a long-term effect? It's a football tournament. What it shows is that there is within people, most people, uh, an overwhelming majority of people, uh, a capacity for unity. And, and that in itself is, is, is a great victory. Just people are not as shite as we think they are. <laughs> it's a nice note <laughs> on which to leave. And Philippe, thank you so much for all your contributions here in the tournament. <laughs> thank you, guys. It was totally insane. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God, it's coming back to me now. Oh, my God. What happened? After the game, I came back on the, the metro from the stadium to Nevsky Prospect. It was like basically Russian Arthur's Day. Uh, they're all beating their horns. They like rev their engines. You've got terror of death. You think you're going to die. Loads of people had these balloons of what I assumed was laughing gas. Hippie crack. Raheem Sterling hippie crack. I'm sorely tempted. I was like, I really should try that. What happens if I fall over and hit my head? And then, I, I watched as a girl took a great big 
out of this balloon, right? Out of this balloon. And so I was, I was sort of giggling. And then just eyes rolled back in the head and she just fell backwards like poof. A couple of minutes after that, so this time a man, probably 30-ish, pitched forward onto his face. I thought, oh my God, I can't believe this doesn't happen again. Smashed down onto concrete with his chin. He'll never chew normally again. He's gonna be half dead. But in fact, again, he was all right. Old titanium jaw. <laughs> <laughs> what a night, what a city, what an adventure for the host nation. Ken, you mentioned the Conor McGregor, Vladimir Putin powwow earlier on. Today I was invited to the World Cup final as a guest of Russian President Vladimir Putin. This man is one of the greatest leaders of our time, and I was honoured to attend such a landmark event alongside him. Today was an honour for me, Mr. Putin. Thank you, and congratulations on an amazing World Cup. Irish strongman recognises... Russian strongman. I must say, this is. I'm looking at the the picture, and it's the closest I've seen Putin to cracking an actual human smile all tournament. Well, it's difficult for him to smile these days. I don't think his face moves as much as it used to, and it never really used to move that much, but for different reasons. Um, Inscrutable KGB agent gets Botox. I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's quite a heady mixture, all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Thought, thought it was a bit excessive from, from Conor McGregor. Kind of thought it was a little bit like poodleish. You know what I mean? Mm. But I, I jump mean, up into your lap and, and sort of you tickle under my chin, maybe put a ribbon in my hair, and I'll be I'll be your poodle. Thought hmm. it was a bit a bit of that. All right. It is getting closer to uh, All Ireland final uh, time, so I don't know how I'm going to demean myself this year to get tickets. But I think the McGregor <laughs> method is a little full on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's nice. It's, I'm sure it's lovely to get invited to the to the World Cup final by the president of Russia to um, hang out in the hospitality zone. I mean, although I wasn't too impressed by the by the plate of um, what looked like uh, spag ball uh, that he was <laughs> that he was chomping down on in the in the VIP section. I must say, I would expected. Uh, something a little higher class than that. I mean, that looked like the stuff they're feeding us down in the media center. Um, I would have expected some some kind of uh, you know smoke fish kind something more like you get at Chelsea mm. um if you go to if you go to cover a match there you know they they spare no expense on the um on the buffet I hate to correct you Ken but it looks actually to me more like tortellini or something like that more like pasta shells than spaghetti sorry sorry to correct you on your culinary yeah. hot takes <laughs> pasta shell uh, pasta shell bolognese I mean obviously there are bigger questions to be asked about this whole affair uh should McGregor have accepted uh, this invitation? On the one hand, nice to go to the World Cup final. On the other, really? I mean, uh, is there no thought process along the lines of, should I really accept this invitation as it does look as though I'm directly endorsing? And in fact, it doesn't simply look as though I am now directly endorsing um, Vladimir Putin. Am I comfortable doing that given you know, what I know or maybe don't know, maybe don't know about this man, maybe, you know, what's he been up to? Certainly, I don't think, I think if Conor McGregor had any fans in Ukraine, he doesn't anymore after today. Uh, maybe he's added a few in Russia. Although, to be honest, they all seem to be Conor McGregor fans anyway. I mean, I, I when I saw him, <laughs> when I saw him going, uh, when I heard that he was going to be going, I thought, I just thought of the waiter in Grazzi Ragazzi. Grazie Ragazzi being this like pizza place around the corner from here. And there's this like young waiter. 
he would have been early 20s, I guess, just kind of skinny like a kid, you know. And I was there one of the times, uh, and he was like, oh, you're from Ireland. Oh, Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor. And he got really excited, and he was talking about, oh, Khabib, Khabib. And so we were like, oh, Khabib, and making sort of throat-cutting gestures to indicate what would happen to Khabib. He's like, no, no, it won't happen. It won't happen. You know, and so on. A bit of just a bit of MMA banter, you know, the kind of way it's the common language between Irish and Russian men. Uh, but then happened to go back to the same place and the same waiter was on. And he said, because there was a couple of journalists there, he saw the accreditation. He's like, oh, I have one of these. You know, uh, I will be going to the final uh, as and to wait on on uh, the president. And uh, we were like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> it seemed like a strange, strange thing. <laughs> we were like, how did he get chosen? <laughs> because we, we were sort of sitting there waiting interminably for him to, he was getting very flustered because there was too many people. He was taking ages to bring everything. We are like, how did this guy get chosen? But I'm one of Russia's top waiters. I, you know, I've been handpicked by the president <laughs> to, to attend him at the Royal Final. But I just thought how delighted he was going to be uh, to see his hero, his absolute hero, meeting up with the president over here and how, how great that was going to be. So I'm sure there was loads of people who were, who were happy to see him. He's probably added a few Russian fans. But, like, you know, who's using who there? I mean, McGregor gets a, gets a uh, ticket out of it, probably gets, to, gets an interesting you know, 48 hours in Moscow, um, also gets used, uh, gets used by, by uh, this politician, if he's happy with the exchange, fair enough, but I think he got ripped off. Well, let's find out now what they made of it all in Zagreb. That's where Dario Brenton was watching. Hi, Dario. Hi there, hi there. Injustice, disappointment, pride in the players. What was the overwhelming emotion last night? Oh, I'd certainly say it was pride. Uh, so once the final whistle went, uh, everyone started cheering. I honestly, sort of in the entire town, I couldn't make out a lot of people who sort of looked genuinely sad um it was a historic achievement to begin with to reach the finals it must have been a little bit well more than a little bit it must have been hugely frustrating to concede the first two goals and the way that they were conceded a couple of dodgy enough decisions uh, you're, you're you're kind of saying people took that in in decent good grace um I, i'd say so i mean i was i was watching it on a on a way too small screen surrounded by by thousands of people sort of not on the main square because it was impossible to to get a clear view there but on one of the surrounding squares um and yeah people were slightly frustrated but i i never had the feeling that there was immense negativity in the crowd uh particularly because croatia reacted quite well after each of the goals it was only after the fourth goal where everyone sort of felt for a few minutes that okay this this might actually end really really badly team started to to dissolve for a couple of minutes but then Manjukic got the, the goal back you know the free goal and uh and sort of the mood shifted again and i know I, I wouldn't say there was a lot of negativity or I, at least i couldn't feel it some of the issues were fairly well documented. As Croatia went further on, people understood a little bit more about what's been going on in Croatian football and the the corruption and the perjury charges that, that possibly await um, Luka Modric, amongst others, and how that divided a lot of people in the build-up. Was everybody behind the team by the time they reached the final? Yeah, yeah. I think I think there was a sort of a wide misconception uh, in international media uh, that sort of saw or was talking about Croatian fans as a homogenous group and was also not differentiating between 
uh, organized football fans uh, and, uh, you know, people who just yesterday gathered in the square and were celebrating. These are not the same kind of fans. Um, sociologically, we're speaking about two very different uh, uh, groups, um, with the latter being very diverse, uh, of course. Um, yeah, that was. I, I'd say. I mean, I, I'd even go that far and say there was there was uh, almost indifference prior to the World Cup. Um, a lot of skepticism. People were simply fed up with the politics uh, uh, that was uh, that was defining Croatian football for such a long time now. So. Uh, it was it was it was uh, dividing people, uh, and people were 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 uh, sort of rightly uh, skeptical about about the entire uh, the entire campaign. Um, but once 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 they started winning, uh, it was always bound to happen that at some point euphoria will kick in and support will kick in. So it's not that the critical voices that have been um, you know talking about the, the issues in, in Croatian football, that they've uh, become silent. It's just that uh, the euphoria around them has become much, much louder uh, than them. And, yeah, I'd say there was there was overwhelming support uh, in, in, in Croatian society. I mean, as said, euphoria took over, uh, patriotism took over, national pride took over. And in these kinds of, you know, uh, moments, it's... Um, well, it's not easy to be to be uh, critical or, or sort of to to, to be pointing uh, at at at, at uh, issues, um, and it's also you know nobody wants to hear you. Everyone wants to wants to enjoy the moment and sort of uh, uh, revel in, in in this historic um, achievement. Sure, I know Luka Modric himself arrives home with the golden ball. This is going to be has public sentiment shifted around Modric. I'm sure these perjury charges might quietly go away now will they um well i don't think they'll quietly go away it's 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 still you know <clears throat> the rule of law is still something uh that we should all oblige by uh so i think that he has to be held accountable um and i think he knows that as well but um also well let me let me sort of i was at, at the first game uh in kaliningrad against nigeria and everyone was was going on about how how uh divisive luka modric has become uh and yes to certain people it has become divisive but at the same time there were i don't know roughly 10,000 10 to 15,000 croatian fans in kaliningrad for the first game and they were constantly chanting his name and this was only a week after Zlavko Mamic you know had had escaped to 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 bosnia herzegovina and the entire the entire public debate about uh, about football was not about football, but about politics. So, as said, it's it's not you know it's not as clear cut. It's not that prior to the World Cup he was considered widely a baddie under quotation marks, and it's neither that he is now considered by everyone a hero. You know, reality unfortunately is is always very complex, and there's a variety of of, of opinions and views and and sentiments that. You know, all together make up Croatian society, of course. There was a lot of love going around, Dario, for the Croatian president last night, Kalinda Grabar 
Katarovic. Apologies for for any poor pronunciation there. Uh, this is <laughs> this is the kind of thing that tends to happen. I can imagine maybe our own tee shot going abroad and people thinking, "Oh, what a great guy!" And it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody loves the loves the politicians at home. Is the president quite popular? Is she is she seen as it because the the praise for her has been that she was going over in economy class. She was hanging out with the fans, and we all saw her last night. Not a not a bother on her. She didn't care that she was being rained on. She was uh, hugging Macron. Even she even had some nice words for the for the referee. Is she popular at home? Um. She is popular, but there's also, as with any story, there's two sides. Uh, there's two sides to them. So on the one hand, you've got a lot of critical voices that say these are just sort of cheap populist moves. Um, next year, there's a presidential campaign in, in, in Croatia, and she's already, you know, uh, getting herself in pole position. Um, furthermore, you know, there's much bigger issues back home. Um, that uh, the way that she she portrays you know her fandom doesn't um, uh, doesn't go well with the office of the presidency and so on and so forth. On the other hand, I think she's been playing the populist cards really really well. I think it's really working out because the thing that she did really well, not just with the charter flights, not just with the fraternizing with the fans and with with the players, um, but particularly she did not. Uh, want to you know by her by her appearance she wanted to say I'm not part of this political elite I I dress in white and red jackets you know full on suits just like you do I'm part of you I'm part of the fans I'm you know there's no difference between the two of us I think that was a very clever move I mean compared to um, the the Croatian government uh, and and particularly uh, the prime minister uh, Andrei Plenković who when they when they won the semi final, they just put a jersey over their shirts, you know, <laughs> their working shirts. And as a as a, as a you know ordinary fan, you're like, when who does that? Have you ever put on a jersey over a shirt? No, I mean honestly. So these kinds of you know these are cheap populist moves that don't work. And in in her case, I think I think that's it's really working out. On the other hand, you don't have to be a fan, or you know, you don't have to dislike or like her politics but um the 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 overwhelming sort of uh, particularly um international reactions on social media uh, towards her persona have really been disgusting i must say i mean from sexualizing to straight out misogynist um yeah maybe i didn't the, the bits that i've been reading have all been very complimentary i didn't realize there'd been there there'd been negative stuff coming at her as well yeah, yeah, yeah. No, complimentary, but mostly by 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 journalists, of course. But you know the way that then uh, she um, 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 uh, she's been sexualized uh, in sort of a variety of, of memes that that have been going on right. is really sort of troublesome to to me. And I, you know, I don't support her politics, but nonetheless, I don't think that <laughs> we would have seen the same kind of reaction uh, if the president would have been uh, male and if he would have decided to wear sort of uh, a similar, uh, similar uh, fashion statements mm. in in red and white. So there's a strong gender uh, component there, of course. Okay. What about on the pitch? Will Croatia now see itself as a proper footballing power and a team that should actually win a major tournament in the next four to six years? Uh, I don't. I don't. I honestly don't think so. I mean, Croatia has been. Uh, um, or that there has been this this um, narrative of a sporting nation and sort of particularly the the, the regional uh, sporting nation number one 
um, quite dominant in uh, here for quite some time. But I think people are realistic. I mean, this this team, um, this was basically its last chance of this generation. Um, I don't think that we'll see them in this in in, in this setup in four years. Uh, age-wise, it's just probably they won't be at their peak. People like Modric simply uh, won't be as won't be uh, as influential. He might be playing, but you know who knows. Okay. So I, I don't think that that is going to change. I think people do still see Croatia due to a variety of reasons as as the underdog uh, and you know the, the 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 dark horse of the tournament. So a, t- a team that can can do it, but that a team that nobody expects uh, them to do it. They gave us plenty of entertainment over the last few weeks. Anyway, Dario Brenton, great to talk to you. Thanks a million. Thank you very much. The training pitch is all squares. And somebody's got to somebody's got to hold a hand up and say it's like training on a car park. No, 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 no regrets about it. No, as soon as you ask me a question, I'm going to give you an answer. Who, John Delaney? He could have found me. Of course, he could have. Try my hotel room. <laughs> yeah, you can laugh. I was the World Cup. As an ex-player and as an Irishman, and I mean an Irishman, uh, born and reared here, then I, I thought that was entitled to give my opinion. Swinging in the backyard, pull up in your fast car, whistling my name. Which phone is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Open up a beer and you say get over here and play a video game. Why would you turn it off? I see you. Put on silence. You just gonna let it ring? If that was my team, I'd go into the dressing room and I wouldn't even mention that ball. I'd just say, why didn't someone put their head in it? France would definitely take it and Ireland never grabbed it. Usual. Usual stuff. Afraid of that next step. Mentally not strong enough. And they can complain all they want and all these players, they can complain all they want. It's not going to change. France are going to the World Cup. Get over it. Let's get one more word from Ken in Moscow before you go and catch your flight. Ken, I understand the airport looks a little bit um, looks a little bit hectic. Hopefully you'll get out okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to go and, uh, and hop in an old Yandex. Belaruski Station, Aero Express, Shermit, you... Sure, I, can't, I can't pronounce these Russian words. <laughs> you can't pronounce them. You don't know where the emphasis is. Shermit, Yevo, I'm going to go with that. Uh, and then uh, plane to Amsterdam and then plane hopefully, all the way to Dublin. Well, leave and, us with uh, your team of the tournament, if you don't mind, before you go. Leave us with something to chew over. You mentioned Mbappe's in there. Have you, have you thought about Mbappe, this? Mbappe up there with Eden Hazard and Mario Mandzukic. Mandzukic, okay. And then we'll go with Luka Modric, Kevin De Bruyne, and, you know, I was going to say Kante, but after, after the final, I think I'll switch him to Pogba. <laughs> because, well, I, you know, I mean, fair enough. Fair play to Pogba. Like, he, you know, he delivered in the final. He's played well all tournaments. He's playing kind of defence. I think Kante's the better defensive midfielder. Pogba's probably better all-round, uh, well, certainly a better all-round footballer, I think. Well, at least, you know, you can't imagine Kante doing what Pogba did in the final. You've got to recognise that, that as well. And this is an all-star team. So, uh, yeah, just purely based on the final, I'll switch, I'll switch Pogba in for Kante. And then the back uh, players, who do I have? Um, God, I've forgotten. Trippier. Yeah, I mean, Trippier's, Trippier's deliveries were very good. Mm. Versalco's uh, surely in there. Versalco, Versalco. Yeah. I mean, I feel I bad love this Trippier. guy. Yeah, let's, let's switch out Trippier and put in Versalco. No I mean, England Trippier players now. Wing. No England players. Trippier was playing wing back anyway, so switch him out and put on Versalco and, and uh, 
right back. And then who did I have? Varane. Varane, I assume, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've went for Yeri Mina just because he's so big. Yeah. And he scored so many goals. Great and, methodology. And then I was left thinking, who's what left backs are there? And I'm kind of like, is Marcelo actually the best left back? Then I was like, yeah, I actually think he is. I think he probably was the best. I mean, he played well in... in he even missed the game, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. He, got, yeah. he came off injured against Serbia and missed the next game. Um, but played well in the games that... Well, so played well against Costa Rica, big deal. Played well against Belgium uh, in a match that they lost. I ended up picking him. Maybe I should have gone for Lucas Hernandez. He ended up winning the World Cup and mm. playing more matches than Marcelo. But I think Marcelo's better. And then Thibaut Courtois. Ah, so, the moany prick. What? He'd given out about Pickford, given out about France... Obviously, he's the best goalkeeper in the tournament, yeah. <laughs> quite clearly. Yeah. But yeah. God, he came across as a bit of a moan. moan in the in the PR stakes, Neymar had the worst World Cup, and I'm Thibaut I'm Courtois <laughs> had the second worst World Cup. At least yeah. Courtois had the uh, you know had the you know some consolation in that he played brilliantly throughout the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. So that's the that's the that's one Benfica can take home with his nice golden gloves back to uh, and his uh, bronze medal back to Belgium. Thanks, Ken. Thanks very much, Alan. Thank you, Kieran. Spasiba. Spasiba Ken and safe travels. We'll talk to you when you land back later in the week. Talk to you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.